CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Well, good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And while you're at your site, look for our New Year New Book Giveaway banner and you could win an international bestseller on business and IT strategy. You can also check out the contest through our social media. As always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTRLive. Today's topic is localizing global operations and IT, and our guest for today's show uh, is Peter Cook, who is the Chief Information Officer for Europe of Global Shared Services, Walter Sklover. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Uh, very well, Sean Job. Um, I'm actually uh, calling in from New York. Normally, I'm based in Amsterdam, but I'm here on business in New York, so uh, a little bit closer to yourselves in uh, in Chicago. Oh, that's so good to know, and we were talking before we got started that how cold it can get at this time of the year. Very. So, 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 so good, good time to stay indoors and keep working, keep plugging away, right? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, so the topic that we picked up uh, today, it is uh, localizing uh, global operations and IT, and uh, that is where uh, we have to look at what is it happening when we have a global operation. And by the way, we also have a second guest I'd like to introduce here, uh, David Thompson, who is the Executive Vice President and CIO at Western Union. Good morning, David. How are you? Uh, good morning. How are you? Um, I'm just doing some... fantastic. So, uh, so, so life is treating you good 2013, bringing you new spirits and a lot of fun and frolic and uh, prosperity already? Uh, it's also it's a very good year so far and uh, a lot of great promises for this year. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. And uh, I have uh, Peter Cook with us here, and, and we just were getting started talking about uh, the very topic, which is localizing global operations and IT. So, Peter, back to you. Question: The first question I'd like to put out there, from a very, very business perspective, what are the top global operational challenges that you see from your side, and as well as your counterparts who handle operations or are a part of the executive management uh, see what are what are those true operational challenges that organizations face, and what is essentially causing those challenges? Yeah, I think um, for me, cost will always be one of those um, top uh, challenges. You know, the relentless uh, drive on cost productivity. I think the other one is for any global uh, operations is going to be around uh, agility. Um, and, you know, I know we're going to talk later in some of the questions about, you know, standards versus or one standard versus local um, requirements. But, you know, it, there's a balancing act. And I think, you know, the area to be agile but to also drive cost productivity is always a challenge. And, I mean, basically both of these are going to be, um, are, um, going to be caused really by you know, the competitive environment that we work in, you know, the other companies that we're uh, competing against, and just the relentless, um, you know, pace of change of business and, and technology um, that, w- that we're seeing um, today is just not slowing up at all. 
You you mentioned cost. Is see if if you keep looking at the cost, and of course that is a given because you have to do more with less, or in some cases more with nothing. That's mm. going to be there. Would you say is that causing, or is it just more uh, making us feel the pain more? Is it the true problem? Because cost is always going to be there. Well, it is a problem in terms of relativity. I mean, you know, if, if you're not competitive, then it's a problem for your business. So, you, you know, we're all looking at, um, you know, different ways to drive out, you know, cost productivity, um, different organizational models. Um, so, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a case we have to do it. So, uh, David, from your world, the way you see it and your business sees it, uh, yes, there are operational challenges. You run a global shop, and, and we have things that you have to do at a at the ivory tower level and plan things, and then something has to get executed at the local level. Where all do you think the the most uh, pressing challenges are seen? Well, first and foremost, uh, the demands from our business are to be move quicker, faster, and cheaper. For our business, we operate in 220 uh, countries around the globe and are opening new markets uh, uh, quarterly. And one of the demands we have from the business is to be able to move quickly um, into a new market with technology and to have that technology perform uh, as effective as some of our primary markets. And so my operational challenge is as we grow as a company and we expand into new regions, is the balance between centralized operations and decentralized operations and making us as efficient and nimble as possible in the market. But the other challenge is, in many of these regions we're moving into, the infrastructure is quite weak in many cases. And so requiring uh, significant investment in these regions, working with local providers, and really thinking outside the box to provide you know, world-class performance of the technology in regions that may have challenges with power, telecommunications, services, and various other components. So that creates some challenges for us, but uh, we've been able to do that with real clear alignment with our business, very careful planning, and leveraging uh, local providers where we can uh, in our global mix. With with that said, now um, global organizations, as we all know, have this this uh, unique area where they depend on the economy of scale and the fact that if they could standardize everything, life will be so beautiful. So, David, do you think because we want to make life beautiful, will we still stay effective? Well, I think that the standardization is key in um, the new world of IT, creating cornerstone applications using commercial off the shelf where you can using commodity hardware where possible, and then looking at regional differences or needs locally and then adjusting where necessary. But you have to have a core of standardization or otherwise your costs will be so out of uh, line with standards and and uh, your business uh, margins. So uh, clearly you have to stay very focused on um, uh, economies of scale, standardization, and where you can, uh, leveraging cost arbitrage uh, to gain a competitive advantage. Now, uh, Peter, in your world, when you're looking at everything, so, so David mentioned about some IT applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, from an operations standpoint, 
do you think first the standardization or planning should happen at an operations and IT should enable or it should be, or would it be card putting card ahead of the horse by saying that operations going to follow and IT is going to drive it what what would make sense in today's day and age no, I, I think it's probably a, a combination of both. Um, you know, I think you have to look at you know the specific um, you know business um, uh, attributes you're trying to solve for. I think you know the whole premise around standardisation. I think you need to go to one level more detail in that. In that, you can still have one say set of standards, a service catalogue, for instance, what we've done in Walters Clear for, for infrastructure. But within that service catalogue, it's tiered. We have tiered services that, you know, can apply to the larger markets in North America, but also can be tailored to, you know, some of our smaller markets in uh, Asia-Pac and, and in Europe. Um, so, you know, you can have one standard framework, but within that you can have, you know, tiered service offering. And I think that's one of the I think benefits that we brought as a global shared service organization in Walters Clear is to you know, still stick with the standard but offer that flexibility um, through a tiered service offering. Now, David, when you look at the way your operations go across multiple countries, I'm sure that you would find different flavors, whether in terms of operations, the geopolitical and social fabric, if you will, in which you operate. Which ones bubble up and say, this is causing us the most headache and have to be handled? Well, one of the, uh, at Western Union, one of the challenges we face in, in local regions is uh, the regulatory environment is quite different region to region. It requires us to um, be very aligned with our legal and business organizations to adjust to the local regulatory environment, the demands of uh, local governments. And so we can have standards which are, as you stated, uh, from an ivory tower. I, I hate that word, but um, it is a, uh, you know, a centralized standard, and we try to deploy that down to our local regions and then adjust for local regulatory requirements or the demands of um, our local business. So really, um, it's interesting to see how um, IT, the business, and legal have really come together to be more strategic together, leveraging our knowledge of the local environments uh, to help us be as optimized as possible from an IT perspective uh, and aligned to our business. So, Peter, when you go and look at uh, whatever the challenges are, do you think you can have the same management style, same organizational structure, same policies and procedure for a different, uh, you know, the makeup that you see in a, in a different part of the world? Do you think realistically we, we can do that? Um, yeah, I, I think there is, you know, going back to like, you know, the example I gave around service catalogue and the fact you can have, t you know, tiered service offerings, I think it's a tiering in terms of your management structure. I think you've got to basically, I think what's more important is, you know, how do you govern things? You know, what's the governance structure that supports, your, you know, your global operations? You know, how are decisions made? And one of the challenges around, you know, a, you know, a governance structure is, is, you know, the speed to make those decisions. So, you know, it's a balancing act between, you know, you want to keep things standard for good reason, but at the same time, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, as those standards evolve, you can make quick decisions and adjustments. And how do you do that? Do you do that at the center or do you allow the flexibility at the local level? And I think what's very important that everybody understands it, both within the global shared services organization in my case 
all the business, they need to understand, you know, that, that governance framework and how basically, you know, decisions get made. And once that's understood, then I think that, um, you know, you can be agile, making quick decisions at the local level without jeopardizing or compromising where you're going from, you know, a global standard operating model. Now, so, David, you mentioned about the regulatory challenges. Do you think you have a solution yet, or is this something we say we have to kind of live with and somehow, you know, work around, and that's what is causing more leakage? Uh, and and, and you, even if you want to, we're not able to fully control it. No, we, uh, at Western Union, the one thing we have found is uh, the regulatory environment is constantly changing. And so we have to be very nimble and agile in response to changing regulations, changing demands. And so we have uh, structured ourselves in a way that we can have as much visibility to in our governance model. As Peter stated, we, we use a governance model that aligns our business and IT organization, and we plan our portfolio and our changes based on the knowledge we have. But based on our methodology and governance, we have to be open to changes on a regular basis based on regulatory changes. And uh, we uh, work very closely with our legal department and our government affairs organization to make sure we're on top of those changes. And it is a constant uh, constant um, body of work that we're focused on. And I think uh, more and more organizations are finding that to be the case as well. Let's take a quick break. Listeners will be right back. And Peter, when we come back, let's talk about the the variety that we deal with. On one hand, we want to standardize. On the other hand, one of the first examples that, of course, David mentioned is that it is changing and it would change at a different pace and variety uh, across the different uh, geographic locations that you manage. So is is this this effort to standardize things a futile effort and we are better off focusing our energy somewhere we'll get better results because we know that's just the nature of the beast. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take control of e-discovery with flexible integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, uh, Peter, do you think standardization is truly a futile effort given that there will be a moving target for you and not only one moving target but multiple as the, there could be different environments? No, I don't think it's futile at all. I think you do have to, you know, seek out um, um, you know, standardization where it makes sense. 
I think the other thing is, you know, the process, uh, how you get to standards. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a world where, you know, those standards are going to be challenged, but that's actually a healthy thing because those standards, you don't want to, them to stagnate. You want them to evolve. And I think, you know, by, you know, understanding, you know, what's happening in the different corners, you know, of the globe in, in, in your, your business, you know, you will find, you know, new, better ways to do things, which are you know, may well become, you know, best practice and ultimately standards. And therefore, you know, you need to run, I think, as a global operations organization, not only, you know, the, the, the drive between, you know, being the custodian of the standards and the governance process around it um, and, and keeping that close to the business, but also, you know, to make sure you've got like an ecosystem to tease out, you know, with your your business units, new ideas, new ways to do things that ultimately could be, you know, leveraged, uh, and, and, you know, may or may not be standardized across the globe. There is a role there. And I think global, you know, as a global operations organization, you do have global, you know, insight. You know, most of the businesses that, you know, Walters Clear have are global, but they're very much focused on their local markets that they operate in. You know, we as a global shared services organization can provide that oversight. You know, so therefore we have a view that, you know, few other, a few of the business units really do have. And therefore, you know, we can propagate that best practice and new ideas um, more readily. We have a role to play there. David, what is it that if behind closed doors and if you and the top ops person, operations person are talking and saying, this is what the landscape is, everything is a moving target and uh, there is too much of uh, dilution of effort into fixing everything. What do you take on first and uh, how do you go about keeping things from breaking apart? Well, first and foremost, uh, Peter mentioned a few things that uh, we do as well at Western Union, and that is, uh, you know, a service catalog, and uh, we leverage our enterprise architecture team to constantly revisit our global standards uh, from our global shared services organization. In my operations team, the one thing that we're focused on um, most frequently is um, as uh, local governments and um, countries require in-country data um, privacy or in-country data residents, you know, that requires um, local operations in some cases where needed. And so we're constantly uh, refreshing our standards, looking at how we operate our data center in, uh, footprint, our service provider footprint. So it's a constant uh, refresh and review and uh, uh, working with our business leaders in-country to understand their needs, understand our customer needs, and understand our regulata- regulatory environment. And uh, it's, it's been a very interesting ride the last few years as um, we have been working with our business. Our business acumen around technology has truly increased, and uh, one of the things we're finding is uh, they're, they're getting more um, skilled at requirements, working with us on developing standards and refreshing those. So it's really nice to see our business uh, uh, skills uh, with technology rise over time, and it's because of our governance model and how we engage our business on a regular basis. 
So when you when you mentioned that the business has really started understanding and and uh, using technology, do you think that has brought you the nirvana, or would you say there are certain things that the IT people have done to learn the business side, so that they have also stepped up stepped up to the plate, and thus as a joint effort, you are able to see what what the the, the end result that you were desiring for. I think you nailed it. One of the things, uh, anytime we make investments in technology, we want to see a return on that investment. And, you know, that's a joint partnership between the business leadership and IT. And as the business skills have increased around the use of technology and, and their understanding that technology is a tool to drive business, and as my technology team has become more engaged in the business, understand the needs and the changes, and are integrated into the business plan, we are starting to see much better returns on our investment in technology, and the business leaders are becoming more savvy at what they request, how they request it, their interaction with us, and it's really quite nice to see that alignment. You know, if you think back to, you know, possibly even this radio show three, five years ago, much of the dialogue was around IT business alignment, and I think to survive in this environment today, you really do have to be tightly aligned heavily integrated with your business at a very local level and at a centralized level and be involved in the business planning and uh, uh, really be engaged with your business. So, Peter, if you were to go about and and talk localization, one is looking from, uh, you know, 10,000 miles away and, yes, working with standardization and enterprise architecture to have that uh, global view. Another is to go and, and uh, walk the streets, if you will, and then see what are the nuances and get that feedback and that information uh, to, to, to see whether that whole bigger enterprise architecture will even be able to meet it. And even if it doesn't, the, since the market, local market demands, you still have to deliver. How do you, how do you stick to the enterprise architecture and still deviate from it as needed? Um. I think I think uh, you know building on on David's point and one of the things that we've done within global share services from Walter's third you know it's it's very very important that you stay close to the business I think you know one of the mistakes a lot of you know global organizations make operations organizations is they become too inward focused and decouple from the business so whilst you know you're going to try and drive standardization um, because of the benefits that it yields um, you still need to make sure you've got the eyes and ears on the ground with your business units. And one thing that we've put in place is we've got sort of um, IT executives, uh, client executives that uh, marry up against all the business units globally. Um, and their role is, you know, not only to, you know, basically, you know, how the business units get the most out of, you know, the, the standards, but is also to, you know, understand you know, the local nuances or the changes in the marketplaces locally and to how to, you know, feed that back through the governance process that I mentioned earlier to see how we can solve for those things. Um, and, you know, you do have to have, you know, it's, it's the more you can be close to the business, um, you know, on one hand, you're going to get, um, you know, challenged with, you know, a variety of, you know, local requirements and the way the business units want to, you know, maybe approach things. But you have to listen and you have to understand and take that on board and 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 then digest that down into how, you know, you as a global organization 
can play a part to drive, you know, the right solutions, whether it's, you know, faster, cheaper, as better, as, as David alluded to. Or, you know, quite simply, you could be the fact you've got a global view. Maybe you see something on the other side of the world that could actually solve that particular local challenge for that business unit, say, in, in China. Um, and, you know, you've acted as a conduit for sharing, you know, that solution or best practice. I mean, that adds value in itself. David, would you stay competitive truly at a global level or a local level? So suppose in your world, since it is about, uh, you know, travel and, and uh, lodging type of business, and if you find uh, a comparable quality hotel and they, they use certain techniques, they use a certain way to operate, would you try to use that as a benchmark or you would stick to your global standards in the interest of getting the most out of that investment that you're making or your presence there? You know, one of the things that we do is we are constantly monitoring the marketplace, looking at our competition, looking at where the market is going. And the one thing that to stay competitive with technology is listening to your customers, listening to your partners. And as we do that, we find ways to optimize technology to meet the needs of our customers. And by putting the customer first, and, you know, in a global environment, you do see nuances region by region in the customer behavior, customer demands, their expectations of you as an enterprise. So one of the things we do is, in our alignment with the business, we're constantly looking at how we can change our technology to make it easier to do business with Western Union as a competitive advantage and listening to our customers and really listening to our agents and our partners. And this has allowed us to stay competitive and uh, you know, continue to be the world's largest money transfer provider. So would you say that you would rather manage by exceptions that all along you will just work on a standard and whenever there's an exception, you, you make that change to accommodate that particular exception? Now, with that said, do you think you would want to uh, only make changes when it is required or would you see a pattern at one place and then try to validate across the other uh, places where whatever leakage that had happened because we reacted late does not happen elsewhere? No, absolutely. One of the things that uh, I mentioned is we do stay very uh, in tune with our local markets. So if we find a opportunity and a change in a process, change in technology, change in our operational uh, processes, we then take and replicate that elsewhere and, uh, and prove out the model. So uh, back to Peter's point, constantly revisiting how we do our operations, how we deploy technology, this allows us to adjust where necessary, but continuing to have a global standard. Um, you know, we in certain regions, we found that um, we can uh, optimize technology around a process the way that that local market works, and we find that that works in other areas, and then we then take it to that other market. And that's really helped us to, to stay very competitive. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, Peter, I'd like to uh, use uh, an example. We did a show a couple of weeks back, like learning big data from the ants, which is like a, a bunch of ants going in their own, like a, in, in, as a group. They are getting the data from uh, each other, but eventually uh, they do not have any central control. But all along, the end result is they're able to reach their destination in the shortest possible, through the shortest possible path. 
if you got so many different units working in so many different local environments, is there an environment or is there analytics or data that can be realistically offered to them so that they are left alone to do the best they can in that local environment and still as a group, you you succeed? Let's explore that when we come back. Please stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take control of e-discovery with flexible integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. So, Peter... Do you think we can uh, learn from the ants on how to run a global business while localizing operations where we give them individual autonomy but still feed them the data at real-time level or real-time or close to real-time depending on the situation and so that they are doing the best they can with the resources that are offered and together as a group we succeed? Is that, is that a reality or is it just still a, a dream that we are working towards? No, I think I think it is a reality. I think uh, there's a few things that I think you need to put in place, and certainly when we set up global shared services within Waters Clear, one of the first thing is, and for me, it's you know my mantra, which is you know if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So for me, what's very important is that um, you know whether it's a local, whether it's um, you know a centralized operating unit, you need to ma- measure performance in a standardized way. And if you can do that, then, you know, maybe if the local unit isn't, say, you know, using a standard, it will become apparent whether, you know, they are outperforming or underperforming against, you know, a, a benchmark of, of, you know, a operating unit that is using, you know, standard best practice. And, you know, if you can get that level of um, insight through measurement, then you can have the dialogue with those local units about, well, look, you know, if you want to improve your performance in that sort of operational area, then let's have a look at the way you, you know, the technology you're using or the process or the support that, um, or that you have in your, in your global or in your local operations, sorry. Um, you know, you can start to look into that in a little bit more detail and understand the root cause for that performance. And I think that's the type of dialogue that you can then have. And then you can say, well, look, you know, well, then, you know, if it's underperformance, then look at, look at the global standard because that may get you a step clearer to the operational excellence you need for your marketplace. David, do you think uh, working on operations and 
supporting operations with technology, is that a cost or a cost of doing business? How is it being perceived? Because your ROI on any of these incremental investments may not always be uh, as significant or maybe in some cases not even measurable. Yeah, that's fair. And I think there has been a lot of focus in the last few years here at Western Union on the return on investment for technology. And one of the things we've done is we've moved to an environment where we have put the business leaders and the IT, uh, my team, in uh, uh, making ourselves both accountable to the return on the investment so that it's a joint ownership of that return. Every dollar we spend on technology is a business investment. And the way we've structured our governance model is my business leaders uh, operate uh, a portfolio for their areas, and I conduct a governance model in which they can direct the spending of the IT dollars to meet their highest business demands. And that allows them to be directing the, ex- uh, the expense or investment uh, directly to areas that they see the highest return. Now, I also have my own portfolio where I invest into technologies that are required to keep the lights on of the company and keep the uh, infrastructure uh, current and relevant for our business. But uh, the business leaders also have control around that investment, and uh, we've seen a uh, dramatic increase in the return of investment based on that partnership. And there are times where we make investments and they don't pay off as well as we had thought, and that's a learning process in many cases. And, and what we've also found is some technologies uh, and uh, local regions, we can get a really high return, and others we, we don't. And it's, uh, it's a learning process, and uh, we are honing that skill. Now, with, with you going and telling the business person or the counterpart to say, okay, you drive it, you tell us what uh, you'd like us to spend on, and if they spend on, do you think they are getting the, the visibility in terms of ROI for them to tell their bosses that I did the right thing? Well, one thing about um, this type of model is it does create significant transparency around where the investments are going, and you very quickly, if you look across your global business, you'll see certain business units that are highly skilled at getting the return on that investment, and then you see other areas that don't get as much return. And what that does is provides visibility to maybe a misaligned strategy, a uh, lack of um, um, focus around the return on investment analysis, or uh, business judgment. And it's really providing some transparency across our global company and uh, we are able to then tweak what investments those regions get based on their ability to get the, the return. Uh, so it, visibility is a good thing, uh, and uh, transparency is a good thing. Peter, how do you foster, with the help of your operations counterpart, innovation at the local level? One is to see a sign and react to it and make some amends and kind of life goes on. Another is if you want to really succeed, some innovation has to happen. And for that, we cannot be doing that 10,000 miles away. Some people at, on the on the ground floor should be working on it and, and be responsible and they have to be supported. How do you How do you create that innovation culture to innovate within operations, leveraging IT or within IT to help make operations better? I think, um, you know, going back to the point I made earlier, I think, you, you, you know, you've got to have your um, your counterparts, um, your operational um, counterparts um, close to the business, uh, just the same way as your IT um, uh, leaders also close to the business. So, you know, we talked about uh, in Walters Clear where we have 
a structure where we have IT client executives, you know, basically in each of the uh, the business units, you know, at a geographic level. Um, you know, that helps to, you know, get the visibility of, you know, the changes in the business and basically the opportunities and the innovation that may be cultivating there at the local level. Because I think that's where typically you see that, that innovation. I think the other thing that we've done very successfully is that, you know, we try and, you know, leverage knowledge. Um, so, you know, we have in our shared services organization about, um, 300 uh, people on the on the technology side and you know we have a clear understanding about what their competencies are and you know what they're working on and that sort of knowledge base also helps to propagate um, you know opportunities to you know leverage new uh, innovation ideas david which are some of the demands that you think while they may be reasonable but they are still uh, tough to meet and we are still struggling to meet them well one of the things that um uh, when i look at our uh operations um one of the things that we we do is provide uh local capabilities and one of the things that we're struggling with uh is local settlement local currency settlement in many cases and so there's more and more demand for that in our business and one of the things we're finding is we're really having to move very quickly and be nimble in order to help enable our markets and so uh, that takes technology, takes investment, takes uh, coordination with finance operations. And, uh, you know, we are able to move there, but it is something that uh, could be quite difficult to do in so many countries that we operate in, you know, 220 countries, and, and doing local operations at that level of detail can be quite difficult. So if you, if you say that you have to get the local people to really get charged up, and you want to give them any incentives? Are there are there places where you would make a, a difference in in the way they work every day, or or whatever else that uh, is being asked of them uh, for them to really deliver beyond what their current same old same old responsibilities are, Peter? Well, one of the keys is is really empowering those local teams, and you know you can have the central uh, processes, you can have the central infrastructure, and so on. But as you get into those regional nuances, empowering those teams to make some recommendations and be engaged and then own their recommendations really does put some accountability in the right uh, area, but also allows them to innovate at a local level uh, with some parameters. And that's allowed us to be quite innovative here at Western Union. One example is we were hearing uh, in one local market is an example where one of our competitors was really being aggressive in pricing on a random basis. And what we ended up doing is with the local team and giving them some empowerment, uh, we came up with a, a street corner pricing concept, and that came from the regions. It was not applied globally. We, we deployed it in that region and saw a dramatic spike in our business and fending off um, some really tough competition. And we then have taken that and we're starting to deploy that around the globe. That was that innovation occurred at the local level. There was ownership, uh, innovation, and we deployed that in, uh, you know, and, and are now deploying that at a global level. So quite exciting to see that level of uh, engagement. Now, um, let's talk about knowledge management as there is so much uh, knowledge and information floating around among the people at at the uh, local level as well as what's happening uh, at the mothership so uh, peter what is that is suggested 
or what is being done to be conscious about so much uh, information and knowledge uh, at all times and, and uh, which is created has to be preserved and has to be leveraged. Is that truly at all a focus of what uh, a company is looking at doing or is that something that we expect is going to happen by us putting systems in place? Because if people do not take the knowledge out of their heads and document in appropriate at the right places and not transactional data, the actual knowledge, what they are gathering about the local, uh, you know, nuances or, or any other thing that is happening with it, like, you know, with respect to the processes. Is, is that, is that given due emphasis? Yeah, I, I, look, I, I think uh, knowledge is key. You know, if you want a really effective sort of global operating model, then, you know, you got, it's got to be a two-way communication. I think, you know, David has given numerous examples about, you know, the local nuances and, again, you know, you know, the central corporate uh, standards and, you know, how you've got to adjust and evolve from that. And it's a dialogue, um, you know, and in both ways. And if there's not a dialogue both ways, then I don't think it's a very healthy operating model going forward. You know, if it's, if it's a false march to a standard, then um, then I think that, um, you know, will create inefficiencies clearly down the road. And I think it's good that, you know, local markets, um, you know, continue to look at, you know, new ideas and challenge the standard. I think as long as you have the right governance process and you get visibility, which is where really, you know, the knowledge management systems, the information systems really play a key role. And it's no different sort of in your back office operations than, you know, what you're trying to do with your customer base. I mean, within Walters Clear, you know, we're, you know, we provide information to, you know, health, um, tax, legal, and um, financial services professionals. And one of the things we're finding is that, you know, it's just not about providing, you know, the content, but also we can provide them intelligence about, you know, some of the the market characteristics they're operating in based on the, on the, on the on the volume of data that um, we actually have, um, you know, that sits within the, the the WK systems, and I think that sort of leveraging that sort of intelligence at the front office, if you can replicate that in the back office, you know, will will pay dividends. With with that said, uh, David, do you think the risk? While we spoke about regulatory compliance and other challenges. How do you inventory risk in a global operations and especially when you have to handle things at a local level? Does that deviation from what you created as a standard, which also had risk uh, mitigation strategies embedded in it, how do, you, how do you make sure that your risk levels don't increase whenever you create an exception? One of the things that we, we leverage at Western Union is an enterprise risk management framework where we have a methodology where we are you know, assessing the risk at a centralized level. And as we make modifications to that centralized process or capability, we are documenting that risk and then engaging our business users uh, for their input and decision on the risk level. Uh, and then ultimately that is then fed back all the way up to our um, board of directors on the overall risk uh, profile we've taken on in a very specific region. So we have the centralized risk and we have a measurement of risk down to the local level. And that's allowed us to be able to look across our company and understand where we're investing or leaning into the wind and maybe taking a bit more risk in one area, and we may be less, um, taking less risk in another area. 
and that's really been a, a solid model for our management of risk across our, our company, and that doesn't require uh, extensive engagement at the local level, but it seems to be working for us. Now, when you talk about uh, the, the business, that's one good thing. Now, uh, Peter, what do you think about uh, sustainability and, and that mindset? Because not everybody would want to follow truly when they have quotas to meet in or local businesses or local operations. Uh, there could be limited management available. How will you make sure that your, uh, the softer side of a business is maintained as well? Um, well, I, th- I think um, it goes back to, um, y- you know, a constant engagement, you know, with the business, you know, at the local level to be seen as, you know, a helping hand to them that, you know, really you're you're an extension of, you know, their, you know, local organization uh, trying to meet the objectives and trying to be successful in, in that particular marketplace. Um, and... Um, you know, it's it's not about you know a, a global organization you know trying to propagate you know the standards through the, you know the uh, the resources that it has within that organization. You know, it's also about you know you know, that softer side, as you said, where you know you would operate you know in conjunction with the business unit um, to understand you know their needs. And then, you know, based on the, you know, your knowledge, uh, you know, globally what's available, help them to be successful. Because at the end of the day, look, you know, if, you, if your businesses aren't successful, then your global operations organization is not going to be successful. And I think that's the primary thing that you need to really always put at the front, you know, where any global you know, operations organization is out to serve the business. And we're out to support it, and you know, there's ways we can do that through standards, you know, knowledge sharing, you know, driving best practice. But the goal is to ultimately make those local units financially successful. David, every time when we try to look at business and the very nature of the enterprises to grow every time, and they would want to grow at a faster pace than before. How does operation and IT catch play catch up? Well, I think the key is is being very aligned and in tune with the business plan. Um, I, you know, if IT is in a catch up mode, that's actually quite risky. In many cases, um, in Western Union, for example, we are named growth enablers um, from an IT perspective. Because if we can enable new capabilities for our business, they can achieve higher growth rates, reach more customers, uh, improve margins. And so being highly integrated in the business discussion uh, is quite critical. And then making business plans um, uh, that include technology and then having some innovation coming from IT, where my team members who are engaged with our, our business units, uh, they're offering ideas of how we might do things better. Um, in some cases, there's an opportunity to use technology to streamline a process or get a product to market sooner or to increase customer satisfaction and in turn helps in revenue, uh, customer sat, or improving margins. So that integration of um, the business discussion and the IT plans is so critical to help your business succeed. 
Peter, do you think you can actually have the sales folks or, or the, the business development people to slow down while you're playing catch-up? David, while he did mention that it is risky, however, you would not have a crystal ball to scale up your operations and corresponding IT support in the anticipation of business going to happen because I've yet to see any organization saying, okay, here is a million dollars additional for what's going to happen as growth next year. Yeah, I think um, you know one of the things that, that we've done, you know, with our, you know, we've got some uh, global agreements with our IT providers that allow us to scale up very quickly in the event that um, you know the business units require it. I mean, we have seasonality demands in our tax business such that you know, come April the fifteenth, we need a lot more horsepower and support at that time of the year versus. You know, over the over the Christmas holiday season, and you know, we need to make sure that we got a, an operating model that can support those business needs. And we've done that not through, um, you know, internally ourselves, but very much working with you know our our providers. So in this case, we have you know a global um, infrastructure provider, which is Dell Services, who provide us with you know some cloud services that allow us to ramp up. But at the same time, you know, you, the seasonal demand works the other way. You want to then be able to ramp down and make sure that, you know, you can drive the best, you know, cost solution possible. And again, you know, we've got a model now, a service model that allows us to do that. And it's quite encouraging to see that, you know, that if we can start applying that across all our business units, you know, how we can not only, you know, be agile in, in providing the right capacity when it's needed, but also to make sure that we optimize our cost base. Now, in terms of people, David, you know that's the most interesting part of what you and and the, your operations counterpart do in terms of uh, getting things done. What do you see as the top people challenges that you have or, or can have, an organization can have when they are running a global environment with, of course, the effort to localize the effort? David, I guess we lost him. Uh, so, P yeah, Peter, would you want to uh, share your views on uh, the workforce and our talent-related challenges? Yeah, I, th I think, um, you know, setting up a global organization, which we did three year years ago, you know, I think, you know, people get a little bit um, anxious about change. Um, but actually, you know, the way that I positioned it with, um, you know, the the, uh, the organization that reported into me is this was, a, you know, a fantastic opportunity to leverage your chat talent, you know, at a much broader level. Um, so, you know, whilst you may um, have been supporting, say, 1,000 users at a local unit level, now, you know, if you've got the right talents, you could be supporting 18,000 employees at a global level in the case of, of Walters Kluwer. So, you know, it's, it's for me, it's a, a very um, powerful message you can give to, um, you know, that, uh, that organization, the organization that's going to operate within, you know, global shared services or global operations, the opportunities it brings. Now, you know, one of the challenges there is that, you know, whilst that creates lots and lots of opportunity, then you then need to, you know, balance that against demand management. So there's going to be a lot of requests for demand. 
And that's where, again, you know, this where you have to then balance out between standards and, and localization. So, you know, you can hopefully, you know, as your, um, your, um, your service model evolves, you can leverage that talent more and more effectively as you balance out, you know, um, some services with standard services versus, um, you know, the local service that you need to maintain, you know, all the business require. And again, going back to my answer earlier, you, you know, it's very important that, you know, we, we leverage our global partners. Um, so, you know, Dell Services you know, has a much, you know, greater reach into um, the, um, you know, some of the uh, technology partners than, than Walters Crew, Walters Crew could ever have. And so, you know, that can really also help us with, you know, you know, extending our talent pool beyond just the people that work for W Walters Clear. Very, very, very well said, uh, Peter. So, David, we were talking about the people side of things, where whether it is people who work with us, the people who directly report to us, and the ones who we influence or even partners, how do you get those people to essentially contribute towards a very effective and efficient uh, global operations while getting the most at the local level? Well, one of the, the, the first things that we do as a team is, is coordinate. Um, when we have individuals that are either in uh, a business um, engagement role or a delivery role within a region, keeping them engaged in what we're doing, what our plans are, what our ongoing architecture looks like. So knowledge is important for these individuals, making sure that they're aware of what the plans are, where the directions are, what the strategy is, so that as they engage with the local regions and, and gather their needs and work with them, they're a highly skilled, engaged, uh, knowledgeable IT leader or resource. So one of the things we have to do is frequent engagement with those individuals, um, sharing knowledge with those individuals, and keeping them engaged in the global, global planning process. And that's worked to date. I think the challenge is as we get bigger and we spread further and further out into more countries is continuing to hone that knowledge transfer and engagement model so that we can have highly effective local uh, or regional team members um, that are engaged in the global planning process as well. Um, it's, a, it's a tough balance, but if you find the right resources, they're highly effective. Peter, if you were to provide a few two nuggets of advice to uh, other operations leaders as well as IT leaders who have to work together to make uh, a sustainable growth and profitability happen for a global outfit with localized operations, what would those be? Um, I think f first and foremost, you've got to basically stay in touch with the business. Um, you've got to understand what the business priorities are. Um, and, you know, you, you, you as, say, a leader can't do that alone. You need, you know, an organizational structure that helps you to stay um, close to the business. Um, that's number one. I think the other one is um, is I think you need the right engagement model then with the business in terms of um, you know the services you're providing. You know you just don't want it to be a supplier relationship. You want it to be a partnership, um, and you've got to create the right engagement model to do that. Um, and that requires you know com commitment and accountability both sides. Um, you know one of the things that w you know we try to reiterate, you know, to, to the business units, you know, we're not out to sort of, um, you know, put in, 
you know, a standard for standard sake. We're trying to drive, you know, an optimum to, you know, help the business units succeed. And I think once, you know, that's well understood by the business units that what you're trying to do is to help them. And they also then, you know, are a stakeholder in how those services evolve. Getting that right relationship and engagement model in place is key. Um, for me, those two things are extremely important, as well as obviously ending up, you know, having making sure that, you know, as a service organization, you've got the right talent to support, you know, the, the services you provide. 30 seconds, David, anything that you'd like to share? Yeah, one of the things that I've found in my career in, in uh, a global operation is getting out of my office and engaging directly with the business in the region. So it requires travel, requires engagement. And that knowledge and engagement with our global business leaders has enabled me to be able to direct my team to the right priorities, uh, to understand the business. And I would highly encourage uh, listeners to be open to new ideas, listen to your business, and um, be engaged in a conversation. Um, IT leaders today have typically have a really strong seat at the table, and it's our responsibility to use that um, opportunity to help the business to use technology but that requires your constant engagement, your uh, local uh, knowledge, as well as your global perspective and bringing that together. And that creates a, a very powerful synergy with your business. And it's uh, also quite rewarding to understand your business at all levels. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, David and Peter, for sharing your thoughts on uh, this very interesting topic of localizing global operations in IT. And... Yeah, thank you so much uh, yet again. And uh, listeners, hope you enjoyed the comments and conversation. Please like us on Facebook, uh, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sanjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy. CIO Talk Radio was brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions.